You want me to speak first today, Mario? Can you hear me? Man, like, no, I don't want you to speak. I don't want Rand to speak. How the hell am I meant to, to understand how the ETF performed when your thumbnail says exactly, I'll read out exactly what the thumbnail says. Where is it? Mine says ETF success. It says huge ETF failure, but one of us uh, is right and one of us is wrong. So it's fine. Yeah. Uh, so the ETF for everyone listening, one of our, one of our, yeah. So, so just for everyone listening, um, according to our two moderators, our two co-hosts, um, one of them, <laughs> the ETF failed and succeeded. So for everyone listening, just so you know, the ETF was a massive failure and a massive success. Uh, so congratulations on, and sorry for the bad uh, news. Come on, come on, come on. No, no, no. You gotta be, you gotta be, you gotta be smart enough to be able to um, uh, understand when crypto Twitter is creating a shit narrative and celebrating shit that they shouldn't be celebrating. I agree with the first part, but not with the second part. Okay, tell me, tell me why we have to... Oh, I see Eric's here. So we can all have this discussion together. Well, 720 million in inflows yesterday. I know your argument is that there were no inflows. 2.3 billion in outflows. It was... It equals well, net selling pressure. I'm going to let Eric do it. Because you've been arguing with him on Twitter, not me. <laughs> I've been arguing. I just posted something, and everyone just started commenting on my post. They didn't like it. They didn't like the fact that I highlighted the truth. Eric, but before we get into this, while we're waiting for everybody to arrive, um, I think your thumbnail game has really, really, really improved on YouTube. I think that there's colors now and stuff like that. I think what you're going to do a lot more is you're going to open your mouth more. No, I read that. I, I, I can't do it. I did it one Friday uh, as a joke, like the last Friday of the year. I, I opened my mouth and I just, I, I, I couldn't look at myself ever again. I can't do it. I cannot. No, I, I, I blocked you. I, I can't see you opening. I blocked you when you did that for like three days. Yeah, I can't uh, so do it. Don't do that mouth, and I look terrible that way. It's just that. No, it's not good. But no, I'm, I'm, I, do, I want you to kick it off, Ryan and Eric, uh, just because the, the, I was listening to Ryan just before the show and Scott, I haven't had time to listen to yours uh, because Ryan caught my attention more than it's a flop. I'm like, oh, uh, of course. <laughs> I did it. Yeah, it did. It just caught my attention. But the, 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 the GBT outflows, Ryan, it's, it's a one-off. Like, why would that determine whether it's a success or failure? So I think let's just quickly, let's just say this. Um, I'm not, I, I do believe that on, in, on many accounts, the Bitcoin ETF was a, was a great success. I think the fact that we got a, an ETF approved was a great success. I think the fact that Larry Fink is now clearly on some kind of roadshow and telling people how important it is to own the, the, the uh, Bitcoin is a, is a great success. And I even think that from an inflows point of view, it wasn't bad. Like it was big, etc. But I think a couple of other things. Number one is people are comparing the launch of um, the Bitcoin ETFs, all 11 ETFs, to, uh, to, to situations where we've only actually launched an e one ETF. So like, if you want to compare uh, the Bitcoin launch ETF to GLD, and you can't compare it because you're talking like, so, about so many different years, but I'm just giving you an example. You can't compare 11 ETFs to one ETF because that's like just not a fair comparison. Number two, the, remember that the whole reason why we wanted an ETF is because, and a spot ETF, not a futures ETF, because we wanted an ETF that actually buys physical Bitcoin off the market because Bitcoin is a scarce asset. And so yesterday, people were celebrating trading volume. Now, over 50% of that trading volume came from GBTC. And you can make the assumption, as we discussed yesterday, that GBTC is 95% sales because no one in their right mind would buy something uh, and pay 1.5% when they could pay 0.2%. So you can make an assumption that on day one, the 2.3 billion out of GBTC was outflows. And outflows in an ETF effectively mean that those Bitcoin have to be sold on the open market or, or, or have to be sold on the market. And then you look at the inflows. And then you say, okay, there was $4.6 billion worth of, worth of volume. Let's just, let's just be generous and say that the entire subtract GBTC, that's $2.3 billion. We can say, let's say that 90% of that was actually inflows and not actually ETF uh, shares trading hands. Net, net on the day, you've actually got a negative flow of Bitcoin. So, so yes, there's a lot to celebrate, but net, net for Bitcoin yesterday, we actually had a net sales event onto the market on the first day of, 
of the of the Bitcoin ETF. Now, do I think that this is bad? I think it's not bad, but I just want to put perspective as to what crypto Twitter is celebrating. And I also don't think that we should sell it, we should judge the ETFs at all on the first day because these things are going to take months, if not years, to go down the distribution network. Does that make sense? Yeah, Eric. You're up. Yeah, sure. Okay. I jotted down the points. And listen, um, I'm just an ETF guy. And so my perspective is relative to the history of ETFs. Been covering it for 20 years, wrote a book on them. And this was a phenomenal launch by any metric available. So let's address the points here. Why compare all of them versus Bitto? Well, let's just say only BlackRock launched. The volume would be probably two or threefold. Uh, there just happened to be a group. It's never happened before. It's not their fault they launched in a group. So you absolutely have to compare it to Bitto. Second, Bitto launched in the October 2021 mania where everybody's Aunt Edna was asking about Bitcoin. That's over. So to produce anything near Bitto volume on day one is ex excellent given we've this is a post-FTX era where a lot of people have been turned off, frankly. So I think that's excellent. Um, also, if you look at iBit alone or Fidelity plus iBit, iBit doing a billion is insane. Again, we're talking once a decade, do you get an ETF that does a billion on the first day? So I, I don't know how to, it's hard to entertain that. But listen, hold on. Can I, you just spoke for like 10 minutes. Can I go? go ahead. Okay. Go ahead, go ahead, Eric. All right. Second, GBTC is half of the volume. Well, if you looked at my tweets, I was separating GBTC of numbers. I agree. GBTC was like a grown adult. The rest were newborns. A newborn ETF is like sending a baby into the Amazon. It is so hard. It's I call it the pterodome. So the fact that those nine got 2.3 billion is extraordinary. I'm not as shocked by GBTC. The GBTC volume was probably outflows. But to your point, uh, the volume of the newborns was all inflows. Because who in the hell is selling on day one? It's only people buying it because there's nothing else to do. There are no shares. So those are all buy orders. So I would say it was probably more of a flat event, which I acknowledged in my quote tweet of you. You had that right. Um, but let's forget, let's not forget that for ETFs, their whole point in life was as trading tools. That's how the American Stock Exchange set them up. They wanted people to be able to trade something like an equity that did something else, right? It hold the whole S&P. It holds bonds. So now everybody can trade Bitcoin like equity. Volume is the cornerstone to the whole deal. If you don't get volume, you fail. That's why like some of the most biggest ETF launches are ESG because BlackRock stuck $2 billion in there and they didn't trade ever again. They were total loser ETFs, but they happen to have a $2 billion injection. The fact that the volume included 700,000 individual trades and was cascaded across all of the products is again a home run. Even the least traded one, the wisdom tree, 6 million would be a banner success for any other launch, right? So again, I'm only telling you this relative to the history of ETFs. And then the whole idea of the, the first day too soon, um, I guess I agree with you there, but this is an exciting day. We have to compare this to other things. And remember, Ether Futures launched, and that was a flop. They traded, wait for it, 1.5 yeah. million. So these traded 4,000 times that. So look, I don't know what your MO is, though. Like, are you trying to say that ETFs suck or this is bad? I mean, you're barking up the wrong tree, dude. This is the greatest thing. These uh, advisors love ETFs. You put it, this is the most popular investment vehicle of this century. You know, you guys are lucky that they approve them. I can't imagine crapping on this. It's so weird to me, unless you're short Bitcoin that day. No, no, no. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I'm very bullish Bitcoin and I'm very, very, very bullish ETFs. But I also want to put things into perspective because when people come out and say that this was a very, very, very successful launch and and and, and that they, they, they cite the numbers of $4.6 billion, and they don't read that that the $4.6 billion actually on a net net 
there's probably an outflow and at best case even then i think that that's that's that people aren't painting the whole picture don't get me wrong I, I'm, i've been rooting for the etf for long i love etfs i am very 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 happy that that we've, we've that we've got a bitcoin etf i think it's a game changer but i also think that we need to keep our wits about us and not just um celebrate something that that is not necessarily worth celebrating well isn't there yeah, an argument though that sorry eric you go ahead i have a quick rebuttal i get all that and, and i said i was saying that in tweets all day that hey look um, because people are like, what's going on with the price? Shouldn't it go up? And I'm like, well, first of all, there was a lot baked in. Okay, there was a lot of buying of the rumor, so who knows? Second, I was like, well, GBTC is probably all outflows, so these two billion numbers on each side are probably canceling out. But again, the volume is like fish feed for big fish. You have to have volume before any advisor or institution gets interested. So again, I think we agree. Look at the long game here. You want to see high volume. But to your point, I think it's the way you worded it, all caps, uh, total giant dump on the whole situation. I think maybe a little nuance might have been better. I don't know, because I only responded wasn't when everybody the, started tagging me. Wasn't the, I, I mean, can't we, aren't they not necessarily comparing apples to apples anyways? We've known for literally years that the second GBTC converted or allowed redemption, that we would see massive outflows because... It was back to you know trading right at NAV. I, I think to your point, Eric, you can just take GPTC out of it and view the rest of it completely separately. Like it, the the people exiting GPTC almost have nothing to do with the ETF launch itself or the inflows. I mean, you, you posted, Eric, obviously BITB, which I was very surprised and pleasantly surprised. I would say Bitwise winning at two hundred and thirty seven. Right, FBTC two twenty seven, BlackRock at one eleven, actually coming in quite quite far behind. But those have nothing to do with GBTC. Those are actual inflows, correct? Yeah. So all of the volume on day one for any ETF is inflows, but the flows take a day or two to get through the system. Right. Like Bitto traded a billion, but only saw five hundred or four hundred million in inflows on the first day. So I would look for right. A bit, this is best, right more than Bitto. That, right. So this is more than Bitto, and we know that with T plus one, we're probably going to see a massive like revision up after today's trading. Correct? Well, let Wait. me tell you. Let me tell you what's happening right now as we speak. So right now as we speak, the the Bitcoin price is. Not, I hate using the word dumping when it's only down a couple of percent, but the Bitcoin price isn't looking amazing, and the GBTC discount has actually returned. So the, it went back to, to, to uh, no discount. And now you've got a three, well, I'm not watching it live. I was watching it a few seconds ago, but uh, 3% discount on GBTC again, which, shows, which, which means that there's not enough, not enough buyers of the shares of the ETF to absorb the selling pressure at the moment out of GBTC. And so what you're going to get now is you, you're going to get arbitrages. Hopefully, you're going to get arbitrages coming into the market, buying the GBTC shares and, and hoping to close that discount. But net-net, what we wanted to see um, was we wanted to see net inflow knowing that, uh, uh, the, that there was going to be a lot of selling out of Grayscale. One of my concerns, you may recall, was I was very scared that the Grayscale uh, GBTC would have been approved before the others. And I always say that that's one of the biggest risks to crypto is that GBTC gets approved before the others and we get a massive net outflow with, uh, with nothing to absorb the buying pressure. And that could still happen because remember, GBTC is got 20, $25 billion, $28 billion worth of Bitcoin locked up, which has been locked up there for a couple of years. And now people are trying to get out of it. And, that's, and they're even willing to take a 3% discount on spot Bitcoin. But that was always going to happen. That's what I'm saying. Like the minute that people were finally able to get out of GBTC, they were always going to do that. So to me, that's almost an outlier event that's less uh, involved and shouldn't even be considered in the numbers as Eric is calculating it. I mean, it's just a different view. But the, the, if, if people but just got the opportunity, no, right? But the first, this is the first opportunity that GBTC people literally have had to exit to that this degree. Is, if this, they were, this is what hits the Bitcoin. Ultimately, we wanted Bitcoin ETFs because they were going to create spot buying of Bitcoin. And now, as I said in the beginning, a successful launch to me would have would have said more spot buying than spot selling. 
Okay, so your argument is it's a failure because Bitcoin underlying price did not go up. No, my underlying is that there was less less demand than supply on the first day. There were more sellers than buyers on the first day of of, uh, of Bitcoin as a result of the ETF approval. Right, but the people selling GBTC don't care that it was the day of an ETF launch. They were literally waiting in line for an exit at the first available moment, which has nothing to do with the ETF launch. Not apples to apples. I, I think you're being a bit general on who's involved in selling what. I think it would be helpful if we took a step back and thought a bit more carefully about that. If you try and go through on GBTC, for example, right? There are some people who just own crypto through GBTC. That was how they expressed their ownership. They would seem likely if they sold GBTC to buy into another one for lower fees, right? If you can get out at what well, we don't know is how many people own GBTC versus were short um, Bitcoin in an effort to capture some sort of an arbitrage. I would assume if you had that sort of a trade on, you are out. That should be a net neutral, right? You should be selling your GBTC <clears throat> and buying back spot Bitcoin. So that what we don't know is how much of GBTC was people owning it for an outright trade versus how many people had some sort of arbitrage on. Those are the people who would certainly exit at zero and might maybe even at minus 3% back to a discount because if they got in at 30% discount, they're able to trade this out, they're able to close that trade. So I think we'll find out in about a week or so what percentage of GBTC money was kind of ARB type community who should exit versus those who are in it, who I think they will transfer it around to other crypto, right? Why would you keep it at even one and a half percent? percent? But the one thing I think we have to be very careful when you're looking at these volumes, how much is just people trading GBTC versus the other 10 ETFs, right? So I think it's a bit unfair to kind of aggregate all the volume and say, oh, look at how much volume, because the algos are certainly trying to trade every single one of those against each other. So there's going to be an immense amount of volume just from trading one against the other. And I think that'll settle down once we move in a little bit. But I, I'd be very concerned about saying all this volume and all the others was just buying. I think there was a lot of trading going on because the market Agreed. makers are able to trade one versus the other quite easily. Agree. Uh, agree. So, and, and, that's why, and that's why I think that we had a net negative and I think we're going to continue to see net negative now for a couple of weeks. And I think the biggest reason why we're going to see uh, a net negative for a couple of weeks is because the behemoth is GBTC. And unfortunately, I think that GBTC is going to bleed now for the next couple of weeks. And I'm not sure that the uh, investment, the other investment uh, companies, so to speak, have enough demand to absorb what is going to flow out of GBTC. I definitely agree with that. And I think we'll see some weakness. We won't know, though, I think whether this is a success or not until two to three weeks after where you get a sense of how much net new demand has been created and the total shares outstanding across the space starts increasing or doesn't increase. Um, that's kind of what I'll be looking for is a week or so into this, total shares outstanding, it will be kind of the judgment and whether that's increasing or not, that to me will be reflective finally of whether people are buying into this. And I've been listening to all the commercials. The one thing that I find awkward about all these commercials, and I think it's even different than physical gold, where physical gold is actually a pain to own. In theory, cryptos, meant to be a store of value that you should be able to own. And basically all the things are saying, this thing's going to change the world, but it's too complicated for you, so buy an ETF. I don't think that resonates as a marketing pitch with a lot of people very long. God, there's so many things to unpack. I mean, uh, let's just start with I'm on Team Eric. Uh, I think that you know his take is, is correct. Uh, let, let, let's be clear. First, I want to dispense with the stupidity. We saw Grayscale investors buy up to a 60% premium people who wanted to get exposure. A lot of retail investors have no clue what the NAV is when they're buying or selling. They just said, oh, okay, fine, I've made money, I wanna get out. I saw it at this price and it's dumping, uh-oh, my stops are being triggered, that happens. Arbitrage is difficult. Uh, you know, I, you guys all know I wrote an article on for Bitcoin Magazine. The fact that the cash creation means that arbitrage channels are going to be wider for a while until the issuers get their shit together. And we know that, you know, it's just, it is just the absolute truth that the arbitrage channel with it not being in kind is harder. And so you're gonna see this stuff and people have to, to actually figure out what the NAV is in real time and start getting it. Now the professionals can do it and Rand, you're right in a sense, 
but the bid offer spreads on most of these things, like Grayscale's bid offer spread right now, I'm looking at it's two cents, that's pretty good. But for size, it's not that high and it's not that low. It, it is expensive to arbitrage this stuff. And look, we I run an arbitrage platform. I, I know uh, I, I've seen far bigger arb channels open up in the Bitcoin world. But the real thing that people have to understand is net new inflows. This is the kind of thing that is going to start slow and grow. BlackRock hasn't even advertised yet. None of these companies could. This was a close decision. The biggest single piece of news that no one keeps talking about is this was a 3-2 decision. This was not unanimous. This was grudging over the line. This is with the SEC kicking and screaming. This is with at least half, if not more, of the retail community in the United States saying we're not going to offer the product. It's going to take time. But the door is now open. And so all of a sudden, we will get into a world where people start looking at the Bitcoin hash rate and where it is relative to price and other things. We, there will be other narratives. This is like typical alt rotation, which we've seen in Bitcoin. It's still sitting in the top, it's still above its support level, and we'll see it there. I, I just don't know why everyone expects this thing to be, bam, we want instant gratification to the all-time high. That should never have been the case, and nor is it likely to be the case. William? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, two things. I mean, if, if we're looking at the Bitcoin price or, or whatever happened in the first day, I think it's not a good measure, uh, especially that we have GBTC in the mix as, an, as the oddity here and its history, whether there's flushing or not. It's thoroughly to judge because we need to see the full effect of, of the inflows and the outflows over a period of time and not even weeks. I'm thinking. How, how long? How, oh, so you think a few weeks is not enough to judge? Yeah, sorry, go ahead, William. That's no, why I say period enough. of time, if you can define it. I think three to six months, I think, overall. Uh, the launch itself was a success. I agree with Eric by a lot of the measures that he mentioned. Um, now, things will reveal themselves over time. So in my timeline for success is three to six months. Now, the more important thing is that Bitcoin is now to be taken seriously, more seriously uh, by the financial community. But it also means that, that there are more eyes on it. So now there's more people watching how Bitcoin is going to live up to its promises. Now it has to insert itself into more new financial products. For example, Grayscale today applied for a covered, covered calls on their GBTC. So this is new and we're going to see more. The other thing is, let's not forget, this approval was an ETP. Uh, and uh, it means that other ETFs, uh, I believe, could be launched under that umbrella. Now, the SEC was very... Uh, cautious in holding up their nose when they announced it uh, as an ETP, but it could open the floodgates for other ETFs under it. Larry Fink today or yesterday hinted that uh, Ethereum could follow because they have the blueprint now. So I think it's too early. I think we should focus now on uh, making sure that we see Bitcoin in many other financial products. Uh, we need to see Bitcoin emerge as a, as a new financial instrument. And, and that's what I, I think is going to be how, how we judge the success. Ryan, let me, let me ask you a simple question, Ryan, get your thoughts. And, and there is a lot more news today. You know, there's the Vanguard news with Scott went on a vendetta against Vanguard for some weird reason. And we've got the, as you mentioned, I William and Larry. I got boycott family Vanguard trending. You're welcome. Uh, congratulations. Larry Fink did say he sees value in Ethereum and having an Ethereum ETF, which is important as well. But I think that the, the ETF uh, numbers from yesterday are still the, the main topic. Ryan, would you say that the launch... Just between me and you, like it's being open. Do you think? Would you say it's an it, it is a success if we didn't have such high expectations? Is that fair to say, Ryan? Um, no, I can't see this as a success. Uh, like I really can't. Like, I, I mean, I think. Look, I think. Let's just say this. I think it's to judge uh, ETF on the first day is not like I, I don't even think we should be doing it. But if we are going to do it, then I think that net net it's not a success. And again, I'm going to reiterate the point, the, the main point, if there are 11 horses in the race and the, one of the ways to differentiate yourself is to create the biggest ETF, the quickest, then we know that that was what people were gunning for. They were going to say, look, you know, there's going to be a race to see who can get the most TVL in their ETF the quickest. Now, if, if this is the, the best foot forward for the institutions and what we got yesterday, which I, I, I would assume that yesterday, if you take all the numbers, once you filtered out the crap, probably one and a half billion flowed in. 
I don't know the exact numbers. I'm sure Eric and one of the other guys could probably give you much more accurate numbers. I would estimate that net-net yesterday, $1.5 billion flowed in. If, and and, and, and as, as, as we can see, GBTC is now selling off. And as, as I speak to you, it's, it's actually selling off uh, a lot quicker. So it's the, the pace of selling off is, 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 is much more. I, like, I just, you're asking me, is this a success? No, it's not a success. A success would have been if we would have had more buyers on day one than there would have been sellers on day one. But then again, I also think it's completely, completely, completely unfair to judge a product like this on uh, on, on the launch. And what I think is going to happen now is I think we're going to be in for two weeks of a lot of pain on Bitcoin. And thank God, I'm actually watching the markets. It's a very interesting, it, what's, what's going on in the markets is actually really, really interesting because Bitcoin is now dumping, but ETH is moving up and Arbitrum is moving up and all the ETH related tokens are actually moving up. So generally, you'd think that if Bitcoin took a dump from 46.5 to 44.5, that's like quite a serious dump. Um, and what we see now is that the rest of the market just doesn't care, and they really have managed to isolate that to Bitcoin. So but is, is that no, dump? But would you say that dump is related to the ETF, or is it more because well, the yeah, price session for the ETF was yesterday? Is there exchange no, outflows, for example? No, 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 no it's, it's grace. It's GBTC. You can see exactly what's going on. You just watch. I'm watching two charts here. Watch the GBTC discount, which shows you how quickly people are selling their GBTC, GBTC shares, and watch the Bitcoin price. And what you can see is that people are trying to get out of GBTC. The discount now is 3.5%. They're willing to lose 3.5% to get out of an ETF, which is, that's quite a big spread to be able to get out of. But didn't that, that, doesn't that, uh, maybe I'm just missing the point here, but doesn't that play to my point that people were looking for a GBTC exit, no matter what the situation period, and that has nothing to do really then with the ETF launch. This is not apples to apples at all. Yeah, You're comparing two completely makes, separate, I mean, unrelated situations that happen to have happened on the same day. Do not okay. underestimate stupidity. I'm telling you, we've seen it. People have been told for six months that if they get an ETF, when they sell GBTC post ETF, it will be at fair value. I'm telling you, a lot of the people with their orders in and retail, look, on this stage, I'm probably, I'm the only one who's done this. I ran two Sigma Securities. Our business was taking the other side of retail. I am telling you, there are a lot of retail sellers that have no clue they're selling at a three percent discount. They only know they see the price dropping, and 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 they and they're zooming out. Now, the other point I'll make, and Rand, I know you agree with this, is that you have to zoom out when you talk about success or failure. The day that Larry Fink announced that BlackRock was going to file for an ETF, Bitcoin was trading at twenty five thousand dollars. I made a bet with it, then rallied to thirty one and came all the way back down. Right. And, and we're back at 25 again. And then, you know, that's the journey that we've been on. I made a bet with Mike McGlone about it going to 40, etc. We're well above those levels now. At the end of the day, success or failure, remember, the markets are a, in, the, in the long run, they're a weighing mechanism. In the short run, they're a discounting mechanism. All these narratives are discounted. And what we don't know, what we didn't know when we were looking at whether it would be a sell the news event, et cetera, et cetera, was that more than half of the retail systems and all the RAs are going to be actively discouraged from trading it, which means it's going to take longer. I just think that gives a buying opportunity, to be honest with you. But I don't disagree with your view of the market. There definitely is selling pressure from GBTC. You're not wrong about that. There's definitely some of that money is going back into the other ETFs. You're not wrong about that. But for the purpose of, of looking at this, you have to zoom out. The point I made, which I think you agreed with, but you, you didn't credit, is we're, this looks like a typical alt season. I mean, the BTC, to get to the, probably the best trading call on this site was when Scott last week, when the Bitcoin ETA, the Bitcoin Ether ratio was at 0 0.048, and Scott said basically back up the truck, and now it's at 0 0.059. That's an enormous move in Ether outperformance that was called, and 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 absolutely was predictable because it's it's what happens with all season. Yeah, right. Before you before you before you research, I want to ask the audience to also let us know: Are you on Team Ryan or Team Scott or Eric? Uh, just in the in the comments, do you think the the ETH uh, it, the Bitcoin ETF launch was a success or a flop? Let us know in the comments, bottom right corner. Ryan, I'll let you respond to Dave, but also uh, I've got a question to you for you afterwards. No, I think Dave's I think Dave's right. I think uh, we also called the trade. We said that the money is going to move into ETH. We've been very vocal about that. Um, I think Bitcoin's time is finished for now. I mean, I love Bitcoin. It's the biggest it's the biggest holding in my portfolio. But I think for now, it's time to shift focus to ETH and ETH related stuff. 
Um, and and then slowly we'll filter. And then I think we'll follow the normal Bitcoin, ETH, alt, uh, major altcoins, small altcoins. So, so we'll, look, one of the best comments is Huddle Disaster. It just says, uh, you know, can Rand take some of the crypto prophecies made and buy a new microphone? I think that's one of the better feedback. But I think most people are considering it a success. I'm just going through the comments now. Uh, how long will the GBTC overhang remain there for? Listen, it's huge. Uh, it, I mean, it's, it, I think it, it could be a couple of months. It's got, they've got $25 billion worth of Bitcoin. Let's say 20% of it gets leaked out. That's $5 billion worth of Bitcoin hitting the market. Um, and you think about the big ETF day launch, we've got $1.5 of net buying pressure. So this could be a couple of months. Oh. Yeah, it's also worth worth mentioning that that you know like this dissent that was uh, that I you know I basically ripped into. I'm actually writing a long form takedown of Crenshaw's dissent because it's just absolutely one of the worst things I've ever read coming from a government official. But it's being used that in the better markets thing by Vanguard, by Citigroup, by you know whatever Edward Jones, etc. And so the narrative will take time to shift, but then but they're on the wrong side, and the narrative will end up where we need it to be. I, I mean, the problem with Bitcoin is, is that it doesn't take much for because there just isn't that much supply right now. This is the crypto world trading it. And if it's only the crypto world trading, it's going to stay. It's going to do exactly what Rand said. What we don't know is will one or two large pools of capital start moving in. That's all that it takes. Uh, I, I wanted to move on to the Eric, uh, if you're still with us, uh, BlackRock. So Larry Fink's uh, comments, BlackRock CEO's comments about uh, the ETF. So saying he sees value in having an Ethereum ETF. Not sure if he said more about it. Um, is that something you'd expect him to say? Is that coming as a, as a surprise? And do you think that increases the likelihood that you will see it? If Larry says he wants one, we'll essentially get one as we did with the Bitcoin ETF. And do you think we'll get one uh, by mid this year? Um, it helps. I mean, uh, certainly having BlackRock in the race gave us more confidence in our optimistic odds um, even early uh, because they are just such a big firm. They've got people uh, who used to work in, on the regulatory side working there who have good feel for that. Um, my bullishness on the Ether uh, approval is really just based on simple, like an SAT analogy. You approve Bitcoin futures. You didn't approve spot. You got sued. You have to approve spot. You approve Ether futures. Well, if you don't approve them, you're going to get sued. So I just feel like Grayscale could do the same thing all over again if they wanted. Um, so ipso facto, I just think their SEC kind of is in a corner here and has to approve them. That said, there could be some other sort of political black swan I'm not seeing, but you know, we haven't really put a lot of attention into handicapping the odds of ether, but James and I had a quick chat and we're like 70% by May, which is when black rocks is due. So I, I would kind of leave it there. But if Larry Fink says it, um, I think it holds a lot more weight versus, say, a mid-tier issuer. And I'm just being honest. Wow, that aligns with standard. Yeah, that that's pretty shocking. I, I mean, that's the standard chartered sort of uh, right. They made the prediction uh, in their prediction that Bitcoin would reach 200 million, by, I mean, 200,000, excuse me, by the end of 2025. And they said, I believe they expected 50 to 100 billion in inflows by the end of 2024 to Bitcoin spot ETF. They said that they expected the Ethereum spot ETF to be approved uh, by the second quarter. Rand, you actually said the same thing. That was your expectation as well, uh, based on exactly yeah, I mean, what Eric uh, just said. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly what Eric just said. I mean, yeah, were they going to go back to court and be called arbitrary and capricious again? I mean, that just sounds like a bad strategy, even for the SEC. But Eric, what, what are your thoughts on Gensler's comments once the ETF got approved? Because it looked like he was kind of toning down any excitement around an ETH ETF. So it's kind of contrary to what Larry Fink said today. Is that what you'd expect Gensler to say? Or did it catch you anything particular that, that was out of the ordinary? Yeah, I suppose Gensler's comments were the reason I wouldn't be higher than 70. Uh, it, it was a little surprising he made that point. But I also think he wanted to do as, as good of a job as possible at just shutting down the hype machine a little bit. Because uh, between the fake uh, tweet or the hack tweet and everything, their incoming must have been ridiculous over the past couple of weeks. So I'm guessing he just wants to like move on for a while and just sort of make his case that, look, I hate this. The court made me do it. I'm on record hating it. And, um, you know, he can wash his hands of it to a degree. Uh, so I wasn't surprised. There was one thing in his comments that I thought was telling, which is that he kind of 
settled into the point of view that me and Nate and others have been around, have been at for 10 years, which is, um, hey, look, if we're going to move forward with anything in ETFs, this is probably one of the better deals, like compared to what's out there and other ways to get exposure. Um, this is a regulated air, uh, fund vehicle with a good track record. And that's the only reason we've been sort of on the side of this. It wasn't We're not pro-Bitcoiners at all. We're neutral. Uh, but we are. We have seen how good the ETF uh, can operate and how the competition makes fees lower for investors and how the market makers mm. are good at making tight spreads. So we just thought you should just, you know, put it in ETF and let the magic happen. And um, that's why I'm excited and think it will be a good deal long term for investors. Let, let me ask Ren. I've got another question for you. And, and uh, just going through the comments, Rampage Call says uh, high level battle going on in here. I think the audience is enjoying the back and forth and the balance. Um, you did mention one thing that you cannot compare one ETF to 11 providers, 11 ETFs, Ren. But why would that impact the buying pressure? Is this essentially spreading the buying pressure among more ETFs and it's increasing competition? If anything, it should increase buying pressure because they're all trying to compete and reduce fees. It's probably the only That's difference. Exactly other it. than. Other than exactly okay, the drop in fees, yeah, fair point. The drop in fees. That's exactly it. So, so you know, and more if, marketers, if other, more more ETFs, more bigger marketing budget as well. Yeah, exactly. So, you, because so, I think part of the demand for this ETF is you, you realize that you've got to get momentum, and momentum is defined as assets locked under management very, very quickly to get credibility in this game. That's how these things work, right? And then, so let's just work. You get you get a lot of assets under management. Therefore, you get a lot of trade volume. Therefore, you get a lot of liquidity. Therefore, you get a lot of confidence from people who are looking to invest. So if I have two ETFs that are exactly the same, holding exactly the same asset, which is quite rare, um, and, and I'm, a, as a fund manager, looking to allocate shares, or allocate money into, into, this, into these uh, ETFs, what is my deciding factor? My deciding factor is, where am I going to get the most liquidity when I need to exit? How easy is it for me uh, going to be to exit? So because there are 11 and it's completely, completely, completely unprecedented, the institutions understand that you have to survive or you have to win the first leg of the ETF race so that you can, so that you can make the money on the second and third leg of the ETF race. And what is the second and third leg of the ETF race? It's all the fancy structured products that you can create around ETFs and, and stuff like that, lending, borrowing, options, et cetera, et cetera. Now, when you have 11 of the most powerful asset managers in the world all competing, well, for one, you're going to get a lot more advertising. You're going to get a lot more incentivization of brokers if that's legal. I'm not sure if that's legal in, 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 in the United States. You're going to get a lot more, hey, guys, closed meetings. Hey, guys, we need to win this race because. Now, that doesn't normally happen. So it's, like, it's almost like yesterday was the starting, the, the starting gate. And now all, they all know that within the first week or month or whatever the, 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 the measuring point is, you have to have your horse in the front of the race if you're going to if you're going to win the race. the the fast The faster you are out the gates, the more chance you've got of being the preferred choice as in as investors start to allocate money into these ETFs. And so I think uh, I think it's it's unprecedented that that this has ever happened, and um, therefore I would have expected a lot more buying pressure. Eric, Eric, to that end, to what he just said, I was a bit surprised at your tweet this morning that actually Bitwise was leading, Fidelity was in second, and BlackRock was in third. What happened to the two billion in, uh, you know that was expected from BlackRock that was lined up uh, in advance, or is a lot of that potentially coming in still? Yeah, so I look like uh, the two hundred million that Bitwise had actually outlined in their prospectus as they had a buyer for that actually materialized and came in probably late. It was probably done in a creation after the day. Now, BlackRock, yeah, I mean, I thought we'd see bigger trades, but the good news is BlackRock saw, you know, a lot of trades. So I'm also looking at individual trades. So the good news on BlackRock is the breadth of trades was massive and the size was on the smaller size, meaning there was actually like a frenzy of buying amongst many people. What I was actually worried about was the 2 billion would come in like an ESG ETF they used to do and then that would be like the only trade all day <laughs> where you'd have this massive number, but like there'd be no actual other trades. Um, I don't know if the $2 billion is going to trickle in over the next couple of days. We'll see. That was the rumor I had verified by two people. Um, and so we'll see. I mean, BlackRock um, getting, what is it, uh, $111 million, that was tame. 
Uh, I thought it'd be a little higher, but they traded a billion. So get, let that number seep into the system for a little bit. So if we have, a, they're already at 300 or 250 million trading already today. That's a good sign. We're only at 11 a.m. and they're going to well, probably hit over half a billion. So that's also good to have the second day. I point this out because well, you get volume going, good things happen. Um, if you have one giant creation, fine, it, it feels good for a minute. But then where, where is everybody else? So the fact that the volume is going um, is pretty strong today. And again, if an ETF trades $4 million on day one, it's great. We're talking about 250 million on day two by 11 a.m. So the numbers you guys are like, I, I, I'm only telling this as an ETF person. Most ETFs launch and they trade less than a million in the first day. So I don't know, I guess the hype was so enormous. Perhaps that's what the standard is, but compared to you know, ETFs at large over 20, 30 years of launching, there's nothing like this. Yeah, but Eric, you never also had a $25 billion effective ETF on day one either, right? So it's not quite like this is yeah, a brand new thing, well, right? You've had GPT. I wish you guys, I wish you guys could watch what's going on. I wish you guys could watch what's going on on chain. So in the last five minutes, there's been 4,000 uh, 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 Bitcoin transferred from a GBTC wallet somewhere into the market and another $500 million worth of Bitcoin transferred onto Coinbase separately from the 4,000. This GBTC, this GBTC thing is a big puncture. It's, it's, there's a lot of GBTC flowing onto the market right now. Yeah, look, GBTC is a melting ice cube, obviously. We get it. But let's X out GBTC. Uh, the numbers were extraordinary. Exactly. I mean, I'm not sure. How long? How long? But you can't X out GBTC, right? Because if GBTC, if someone sells that to buy the BlackRock, it's not. I just did. It's not very I just exciting. Did. They're not. It's not a one for one. There's no way. That's not happening. The tax implications. There's literally I mean, no way that somebody is taking I, I, a massive capital gains hit to reduce their fee slightly. Two million dollars just, on the first day is a good launch. Two million. Wait, what standard are we setting here? GBTC. Look, I, I listen, guys. I gotta go. I, I can't. I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, you, you can, you can cast doubt on this, but I'm telling you, this volume number is very positive. Uh, you need volume to attract fish. It's like bait. Uh, and you got that. So you should but be happy. Eric, I'm, it, I'm moving on. I got to go. Thank you, Eric. Uh, good question. Appreciate it. <laughs> you lost his shit. <laughs> but that was well, a really good, a good debate. But, how long, but the, the question, that, sorry, the stock talk, I'll give you the mic. But the question I have, Peter, is that how long will this overhang last? You know, I asked Rand that question. I want to get your thoughts on it as well. Because we might not care. And I, I think it's fair. And I am on the on the Scott, uh, and Eric uh, camp on this one. But the market cares. And, and I'm curious on how long that would impact the market for. And then we'll go to stock talk. I think we sell off for the next week or so as people digest this. I think it gave people an opportunity to exit GBTC. I think there was an immense amount of front running. And when I watch Twitter feeds, there were a lot of very naive takes on how ETFs work and things. So I felt every there was a community within the Bitcoin community that was way on how but this you get a bit of selling disappointment. I think we talked about this last week. So I, we don't know how many people had levered bets on expecting Bitcoin to go higher on the open. So I think it takes a week or two to settle this out. And then we'll start seeing, to me, this will be a success ultimately if RIAs, people get people who would not have otherwise bought Bitcoin into these ETFs as a way to take Bitcoin exposure. If it's people moving out of Bitcoin into this or moving around these, we can't really tell. I take a doubt with all the volume numbers because people are trading all these around. ARK, for example, still has great volume numbers, even though it's sold off. It's all going to become to me, do you see shares outstanding grow? And shares outstanding are really the only way to see how much is coming in? When I look at, say, HYG, for example, I spent a lot of time on this. There are a lot of people who doubted you could ever put high yield in an ETF. It was very successful. But about 90% of the daily volume is people just buying and selling shares, and only a small percentage of volume is ever create redeem. So I'd expect that to take into effect once these things settle out. People are still going to want to trade these. They're going to want to trade one against the other. So I think two weeks to a month, we'll start telling whether all these commercials, whether all this advertisement has that impact. I think we did not get a day one surge, people waiting to buy Bitcoin, but now we'll see whether these people are able to get new buyers in. And that'll be the success or failure of whether we're at 35 to 40 billion two months down the road net. So whatever came out of GBDC, I think then it's a rousing success and we can build on. 
if we're under 25 billion net in a month, then I think it's been a real failure and showed that there we go. people haven't been able there to transfer. Go. Peter's on. got it. Peter's got it. Peter, Peter, Peter that is a hundred percent the thing. We can only judge the success if one month from now on the net net, we've got more than 25 to $30 billion locked up into the ETH. Whatever we get over $25 billion in a month from now, that will determine the success or the failure of, the, of this ETF launch. Stock talk. Yeah, so a couple things. First of all, um, I want to defer to, to Eric's earlier points because, I mean, Eric has been studying ETFs for decades and has, you know, covered the launch of a lot of ETFs. But I think the point he made was a false equivalency. I mean, look, the, the, the volume on these ETFs yesterday was promising and it's good and I'm not going to discount that. But, you know, the majority of the volume was outflows from GBTC to these other ETFs. You, know, you could argue because of fees or whatever justification you want to use for that. But to, to say that, you know, the average ETF is averaging a couple million of inflows in the first day, I mean, the vast majority of ETFs that are launched are just garbage, nonsense, useless products. I mean, you, know, you could scroll through a list of ETFs on the market, and by the time you get past the first 50, you're going to wonder what 99% of them even exist for. I mean, this has been a problem for decades in the market of just ETFs being nonsense ETFs that cover any number of metrics, whether it's leveraged or unleveraged ETFs that very few people trade. So I want to make that point that it's a false equivalency to say Bitcoin, which has an enormous amount of hype, a ton of media coverage going into the launch of these ETFs to say, well, you know, they're exceeding the average ETF. That just is to me, it's, it's a, a moot point. Um, you know, there have been very, very few ETFs that have ever launched with this amount of hype and this amount of coverage. So that's the first point I'll make. The second point I'll make is one that I kind of touched on when earlier conversations about this topic prior to launch, which was the basic conversation of whether or not an ETF launch is good for an underlying product or asset. And that's a complicated question. But if you want to use an analogy, there's a very, very recent one, which is last year's spot price performance for lithium. So for those that don't know, there was not a lithium spot price ETF for quite some time. And last year, at the start of the year, China launched one. So it was the only spot price ETF in the world for lithium last year. What happened to lithium's price last year? It went down by 79%. And the reason for it is partially because of regional drops in pricing, but the regional drops in pricing were not reflective at all, even remotely of an 80% drop. What ended up happening was the sole spot price ETF allowed for people to speculate to the downside on an underlying asset that had run 800% in a two-year period. I mean, where's the bias in that trade? Clearly to the downside. And that's exactly what happened. There was an enormous amount of speculation to the downside, and that led to that ETF basically caving from the day that it IPO'd, and it led to spot price globally, consequentially also dropping. So that's there what we saw with Bitto, Bitto and the futures launches, obviously. A lot of people have right. pointed yeah, to that. And, the, and, the two tops of this market have been, to you know, if we're being historically honest, have coincided largely with the launch of these institutional uh, products. I'm not saying right. it's apples and, to apples. I don't believe it is. Yeah, that's the double-edged sword of this, right? Because on face value, you know, the conversation that we had even two days ago when I was on the space, which was that, look, this is undoubtedly a point of validation. It's undoubtedly a point of, you know, making institutions more hungry and more willing to participate in this theme. But at the same juncture, it is providing vehicles for speculation in both directions that didn't exist before. And even today, the launch of the CBOE margin futures are adding more fuel to that fire. So, you know, it, it's yet to be determined if the street is going to end up consensus bearish or bullish on Bitcoin. But what we do know is now they have more tools to speculate. And so it's really up to individual holders to decide if that's a good or a bad thing. But the most recent example of that, like I mentioned with lithium last year, uh, was disastrous for the underlying. And, you know, I'm not saying Bitcoin is going to crash because of this, but, you know, it could lead to downside pressure. And again, it provides a vehicle to speculate to the downside. So those are just facts. And 
something worth essentially so what you're saying, Scott, before going to David, what you're saying now, one the last point you said is that now Wall Street determines what happens with the market. Ran, you said in your show, it's like an end of an era where we control the market to an extent, of course. Now it is, it's, it's the, the big guys the that to a degree. Yes, you've institutionalized the market to a degree, and this is also why and that's not necessarily, and that's not necessarily a good thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing, or necessarily a good thing. It's not necessarily either, right? But what it what it does do is it allows for additional speculation and. That can be interpreted in any number of ways, but it's just the reality now. And it's part of why I firmly believe whether or not Bitcoin goes up or down, that's not the point I'm making. I'm saying whether or not it goes up or down, the correlation between Bitcoin and traditional financial markets has now undoubtedly increased by virtue of institutional participation. So the uncorrelation that people have been pounding the table on for years and years and years about Bitcoin, that thesis has now you know, withered a little bit. And you're agree, also 100% every day staring at the shares outstanding as an additional signal into your world of what's it mean? Oh, if shares outstanding start dropping, oh, retail's out of Bitcoin. I think it's going to add another thing to watch and probably create some volatility both directions. And I do find those inflows and outflows, certainly in the credit ETFs, when they're, you get outflows when they're trading cheap, it tends to signal more cheapness and vice versa. So I, I think you're going to wind up seeing these kind of linked to stocks and other trades and some of the things that we've witnessed in other ETF flows occur here that are very different. So stock ETFs to me, they're very easy because you know exactly what NAV is to a pretty high degree. As you move away from stocks and certainly credit, it becomes harder to know what NAV. And I think Bitcoin is going to be somewhere like that where NAV is not quite as accurate as it would be for 100 stocks at their last traded price. So I think it's going to create some really interesting dynamics. And people are going to have questions about whether it's trading rich or cheap to NAV. And part of that's going to be how accurate is NAV even at any given time? Yeah, it makes it immensely harder because I have to take that one. Look, you know, the, a lot of these issuers aren't very good at this stuff. And, and maybe that's the problem. But trust me, there is no commodity on the planet that is even in the same zip code as being able to, at any instant in time, know the price of Bitcoin. I mean, look, okay, coin routes, we're good at that. That's what we do. But it's not hard. At the end of the day, all this data is public. The order books are there. Uh, if you could see what I was seeing, you would know. I could tell you right now, 44,488 is the 86, 83, whatever, is the midpoint of an order book uh, that's consolidated. It is easy to do to do NAV. It is easy to publish cash creation redemption in real time if the issuers want to do it. They didn't have time to get all that stuff set up this time but it will improve but but i think the correlation and the and the financialization is really interesting the futures products and the leverage futures to the downside products those are absolutely trading vehicles whereas a spot etf the difference is it's more of an investor versus a trading vehicle and and scott is right the futures were the first way to be able to sell it the issue here really is what you know who does it open it up to and it hasn't really started to open up yet and so i'll continue to make this point this is a long-term narrative shift but one thing we are seeing and i think the point about the cboe futures is probably relevant here is the discount or the the premium of the cme futures has changed it was like a switch got flipped so i'm looking at my screen and i'll tell you right now it's like eight basis points of it, the, the futures trading over it. It's been negative today for the first time basically in months. And this entire rally, we've seen the CME futures trading at dramatic premiums to what an interest rate calculated fair value would be. That's gone now. So obviously there were people who were buying futures in order to get ahead of the ETF trade that are now rolling out of their futures. And that matters. So in addition to the GBTC heaviness, which Rand has correctly uh, identified, there's also futures heaviness. As the old expression, this too shall pass. This feels a lot more like a post-IPO day hangover than anything else. And we've seen that in tech stocks and many other places. I don't see this as anything different. That's dope.